Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how did we get here and where are we going? When I look out into the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? This is pretty much all I think about. So I decided to start asking others what they thought as well. So grab a cup of coffee, open your mind, and enjoy the conversation. There are reasons that all of this is happening, when and how it's happening. And it's a matter of stepping into that acceptance that we aren't in control and there is something bigger and thank god there's something bigger <laughs> because now i because i accept the fact that i'm a part of that experience i'm not that experience i get to be my little role within this existence and for me the thing i want the most is i just want to make sure that i serve well in my role and that i help the people that i can and be as present as possible so that I do my little sliver of existence and hopefully fit into this piece of a puzzle that we all exist within. All right. Welcome everybody to another episode of Quantum Coffee. Really stoked about this week's guest, Larry, and not sure really how to pronounce his name, but I asked him in the beginning of the podcast, we talk about it. So you'll get it then. Um, Larry, AKA, Nano Ghost, as he's known on Instagram, his alter ego, his DJ personality. Uh, honestly, this is one of my favorite people on the planet Earth. And up to this point, I think this is episode 22 or 23, is um, one of my favorite conversations I've had. Uh, I think it's just because mine and Larry's energy is just so aligned. Um, it's funny, we go by in our in our community that we ride around in... Uh, I'm big light. He's little light. Um, the reason is obviously my physical stature and he is a little bit smaller than me. Um, but he packs a huge, powerful punch of magical presence. And I'm so stoked to share him with you guys and share this conversation we had with you guys on this podcast. I uh, really hope you enjoy. And uh, before we dive in, we talk a little bit in this podcast about the company that I've built, that I'm building, that I'm growing. It's a community for former male professional athletes uh, called the Heart Collective. And thought I'd take a second to uh, plug that. Uh, so prepare you guys while we talk about it during the podcast. But if you are a former male professional athlete or know anybody that has played that is looking for community, one thing I've realized through my journey retiring three years ago is that the journey of transitioning out of professional athletes is a unique one and it comes with a lot of unique challenges. And what I've found is uh, the biggest one is the feelings of isolation, uh, not feeling understood or uh, supported by those around you. And it's hard because how could you, if they don't understand what the experience is like. So I've built a community to provide the container so that we can all support each other 
on this journey through life. And it's not a self-help program. It is a community for high achievers uh, built to collaborate, create, learn, grow with one another so that we can take the all the intangibles that we you know, got us to be so successful in the athletic world, channeling them into ourselves, reaching for our fullest potential outside of sports and really making an impact in the world. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, go to theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com to learn more. And if you're not an athlete, you can uh, enter your email and follow along from a distance. We will be providing a ton of amazing content and uh, eventually bring on uh, global calls for the public. Um, still in the works, but... Yeah, without further ado, I really hope you enjoy this episode with one of my favorite humans on this planet Earth, Larry, aka NanoGhost. Larry, what's up, brother? Hey, my man. I really appreciate you coming on. How do you say your last name? Uh, so it's pronounced Doremus. Doremus. Not the easiest one. I can always tell if a telemarketer is calling me by how they pronounce my name. I know you don't know me. <laughs> exactly. I can tell you're a telemarketer. You don't know me. You didn't pronounce my name right. <laughs> what is a name anyway, right? Although I don't even think my own friends get my name right. So everyone gets a pass. I honestly didn't know. <laughs> so I asked, <laughs> and I still don't know now. D- Deremus? Uh, Doremus. Doremus. Okay. Yeah. What are names anyway, right? Just labels exactly. given to us. It's like our surnames are these labels that transcend our generations. But once again, actually using this as an example, it's kind of funny. So my name actually was Doremieux, which was a French name. Um, my like great, 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 great grandfather um, emigrated here from France. And the name used to be ended, it used to end in an IEUX. And when we came to America, they just said, no, we're going to make it Doremus. And that somehow in their world was more digestible than Dora Mew. So the thing that's interesting, it shows you why we shouldn't have attachment to these labels because like, even like in my case, my surname has changed through existence. Mm. Yet we put so much attachment to all of these labels. Why do people, yeah, it's like, it's like, I want to have a son. So my, my name lives on like, where does that story come from? Like I have a baby boy in the way and like I could, care less like when me and Sarah get married she's like I don't know if I want to keep my name or your name and I was like I really don't care but it was like kind of cool because she's like oh well I want to I want to change my name to you and we talked about it and change it to Holly because it's almost like this this changing of identity right it's more of a okay now we're a family unit and like seeing the energy of that and like feeling that I was like okay that's that's a reason to do it not because you feel like you have to but then as far as like if I, you know, if I talked to some of my friends are like, you know, they have a, a daughter and they're like, I, I need to have a son before I stop having kids because I need to pass on, you know, the name of my ancestors. And it's like, do you really, like, do you really care? Like, you're not going to be here to like care where your name goes. And it's tough because, <clears throat> you know, legacy is important to all of us. And if we didn't do things out of a space of wanting to carry on a legacy. I feel like we wouldn't do much in this existence. Hmm. So how do you have a healthy relationship with that, that kind of energy where you know that, okay, it's important for your child to carry on something big in this existence. And you obviously want it to be some sort of a reflection of you and how you lived your life. But how do you, 
how do you have a healthy relationship with that kind of energy where you're able to still raise the kid, yet not be so egoically attached with how he's going to express himself in the world and, and how he's going to show up? Because ultimately, we all look at that as a reflection of ourselves. And it is our own egoic attachment that we have to, you know. It's like you're a reflection of me, makes sure you act accordingly. Correct. That's and it's exciting to see you in that transition. Um, I'm just now for the first time really just feeling that in myself and trying to identify where I would be because I have egoic attachments in this world. You know, I'm still mm. working through so many things and there's so many aspects of my being that, you know, I want my child to be very conscious, you know, very mindful. I want my child to have an entrepreneurial spirit and and just make this world a better place than it was before he was he or she was born. But what if that kid sucks? Right? What if that kid's terrible? You know, <laughs> the, the reality that exists is that now how do you not resent that being for not being what your expectation is? And maybe releasing the expectation and allowing that being to be the being that he's always meant to be and the essence of who he is will actually empower him to not live up to your name and give him the freedom to be thing he's supposed to be which is like kind of the programming that we're all working through right like and it runs so deep like you go to go to school and we're constantly being told like what success is what achievement looks like what a good relationship looks like what you know having a house why pick a fence like the story that we're told is like you're not successful until you get all of this stuff but it's it's just a, attaching to it right it doesn't really it's like where did those stories come from like why is that something i need to feel worthy you know, it's funny too, because I think about my programming. I, we've all have our own unique programming and I'm very grateful for the fact that how I was raised, I didn't, I wasn't force fed, you know, ideologies or beliefs from my parents, but I see a lot of my desire and sometimes like materialistic things that I want in my life were shaped from something outside of that. And I'm, I'm still trying to understand where all that energy comes from because there is still parts of me that want things and have these egoic attachments to, to these things that obviously aren't important in the grand scheme of this existence. Yeah. Well, what is important, right? In If those aren't important, right? Because like what I'm starting to realize, like the attachment or not, I guess attachments, it's like kind of finding balance, but like we need things in our life to have something to relate to, to have, if we don't have a relationship to something in our reality, then do we even exist? And I think that's where the awareness becomes the most important factor. So for me is that I understand that there's aspects of my being that are materialistic, that I have some needs at times that are <clears throat> like, for example, if I can, I'll fly first class. That's a little bit bougie. It's a little bit mm -hmm. more like, because I'm not an elitist person in any sense of the term, but if I can, I'll fly first class. And that's such an unnecessary expense. Yet, it somehow... It so? <sighs> so for some... For Where does that story reason, come from, Larry? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but for some reason, things like that, um, you know, do help me stay focused on the things that are important. Mm -hmm. And you know, so so I'm 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 always trying to be aware of of these these attachments that I have to material things in this existence, and making sure that at, at any point, if I feel like I have an unhealthy relationship or a need for something, like I don't ever need to fly first class. 
Mm. That, that is not a need. You know, that is just something that makes me feel comfortable in my skin so I can show up to in, in the best version of myself in all of the ways I need to show up in life. Mm. That's where like this idea of real, real freedom, right? Like when I left football and I gave away everything to charity, bought a van, traveled the country, I didn't really know it at the time, but I wanted to experience a new story. Like who am I fully without all of this stuff that I've created and that experience really gave me a visceral like feeling of, Oh wow, we are the creators of our own reality. I can decide to live an alternative lifestyle, not, you know, and find success in different things and coming full circle back and like living a minimalist lifestyle, not having a lot of things and then having a new relationship with it because it's not, it's not bad to fly first class. It's not bad to want a nice big house. It's not bad to want a nice car, or have a bunch of shoes or clothes if that's what makes you happy. But it's the idea of needing it to feel worthy. And like having it and enjoying it and experiencing it. I mean, you know, that, that brings us to kind of our first question of like, what's the purpose of life, right? Is in order to have an experience, like all of this stuff, there's nothing inherently good or bad about it. It's all just experience, but it's having the freedom to choose and not attach to needing, like you said. What do you think the purpose of life is, Larry? Well, I think that is a theory that needs to continue to evolve within all of us. I think first and foremost is that we are put here to discover our relationship with death. I feel that, mm. that we have this ultimate thing that we are all marching towards, whether we want to or not. So the big thing is, is that we are given this beautiful spectrum of uncertainties and how you develop a relationship with finding your relationship with those uncertainties is, is, is important. Um, so, so I think about my father just, just passed away and um, you know, it's, it's bringing up a lot of things with, within me and, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to understand my relationship with death because I thought I knew what it meant before he passed and um, it continues to evolve. And what I've realized, though, is that I think a lot of times we're given pre-programmed ideas and philosophies of like what this existence is and what we need to believe. And we are put here to find our own path. And your path is going to be different than mine. We are given this beautiful freedom to find ourselves and understand our relationships with death and understand our own unique expression and why we're here. And everyone's path is completely different. And we're here to understand what that connection is to each other, to what you may call source energy, and what we are ultimately to death. And it's amazing that we all have the freedom to actually explore our own journey. And the journey is the reason we're here. Mm. It's beautiful. Really is about the journey, right? It's a, uh, you know, it's, it, it's about the experience, like having the experience. And it is such a paradox too, because it's like, we, we're here to have the experience. And it's like this balance of between being and doing, and we are the creators that get to create the experience that we want to have. 
if we learn that we are that thing that is creating, but also not to attach to the creation, but to surrender into just being. And that paradox, it's like, it's such a loop. And I think realizing it has to be paradoxical and bend in on itself in that sort of way for there to be an infinite experience. Like infinity is something that we can't comprehend in our human existence. It's just so far out there. But in order for there to be an infinity, there can't be an end. There can't, like it just inherently, like by definition, there is no end point. And so it is about falling in love with the journey, understanding there's nowhere to get to, which brings you full circle back right into now. And you used one word that is our connection to that is surrender. Mm. And that's a very difficult thing for us to do. Just going back to what we were talking about with materialism and all this stuff. There's so many layers of barnacles on us that hold us back from truly surrendering and stepping into the abyss. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about an experience that you have. You may or may not be ready to discuss oh, it. Definitely. Yeah, but, I did five MEO DMT. Let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what that is, it's a, uh, what is it called? An ethnogen? Like an experience of God is what that word means. I found out that just a couple of weeks ago when I actually did this, but it is a, a toad venom that is secreted from a toad, a Bufo alvarez, I think is the name of the toad in the Sonora desert in Mexico. Only place in the world it happens, occurs naturally. I think you can make it synthetically. Um, and for some reason, the local tribes there at some point in time realize you secrete this venom out of this toad um, you, they let it crystallize. And then I think there's different ways to ingest it, but you know, I smoked it and it was, um, it was the single most profound experience of my life. I mean, that's really kind of how powerful it was and it lasted about 40 minutes. Um, and what it does is it fully shuts down your default mode network. And for those of you that don't know what the default mode network is, that's the part of the brain where the ego lives, where the story of who you think you are, and identify with the reality around you. And that's developed through experiences you've had, you know, programming through culture, societies, all lives in this default mode network. And it's the thing that creates the separation and it fully shuts that off. And so when that happens, it's, you know, they talk about in psychedelic, you know, experiences about the ego death. And I've done a lot of different types of psychedelics and plant medicines and done a lot of healing through those modalities. And I never really actually understood what the ego death meant and it fully shuts it off. And, you know, I, I think I have a different understanding for the ego death and really have an, an experience of an actual death. Cause that's all really death is, is death of the ego death of the story. I mean, the physical body might fall away, but that goes along with it. The story of who you think you are. And when that happened, I shot off into nothing, left my body, became one with everything. And I, there's a lot of different profound lessons that came from that. But one of the cool things that I brought back with me is this visceral knowing that I no longer fear death. Like there's this question of like what happens when you die? And I ask all my guests that I'm really interested to kind of get your perspective on it in a little bit. But, you know, it's yeah, there, there's my ego scared of dying because my ego wants to exist. But I know without a shadow of a doubt through my own experience that there is something after this life. And I don't really know what that is. It still hasn't been shown to me, but there's no more fear of, oh, it just ends. I just go to blackness. No, there's something way more magical, way more big than 
you know, I can even imagine or put into words, like even just trying to describe the experience in words is like trying to, and that's what it's so fascinating because even like religions and philosophies, everything in this reality is all of us trying to make experience of the divine of this connection to something greater than ourselves. And as soon as we put words on it, like label the creator with the word God or universe or source, we're immediately putting it into a box to try and understand it in our linear thinking minds. When it really, as soon as you put in a box, you're defeating the purpose. It's like that, which cannot be named is more important. There's more uh, correct than actually labeling it something. Right. Which yeah, to me, I, I can, I can feel is that my biggest challenge in life is a lot of times is that intuitively I know what, what is right. I have a good grasp of, of, what I feel like my connection to source is. But once I try to use language and the limitations mm-hmm. around language around it, it, it becomes just so muddied because like you said, is that the words that we have are so limiting to describe something that's, that's that massive. And I think I've had my own personal experience with 5-MeO-DMT. And all I can say is that it was just this connection to this level of love that is almost impossible to understand and comprehend with our normal monkey minds that mm. that love is there and it exists and it's the most real thing. And just knowing that is there, like you were saying, death stops being scary because you know that we are connected. You know that there is something so much bigger than we have the capacity of understanding, but it's there and it's waiting for us. And it's there right now. Mm. It's not just waiting for us. It exists right now. Yeah. But, I think one of the things I've been trying to process is because in that experience, I realized, you know, there's, there's two sides of the same coin. Like one side is like, Oh, Wow you know, none of this really matters. Like I got zoomed so far out of reality and realized that all of it is a story. Like the ego is a story created to create separation, to create experience. And even in the the Bible, the story, and, and I don't know this, you know, word for word, but like God created man so that man could worship and love God because God wanted to feel the love from his children. And that's just from this idea of separation. But when you look at that story from the story of unity, God created this experience so that me and you could be separate so that we could experience the love of each other. Because without separation, we are all just infinite love. There's really no experience there. And people are like, well, what, what, you know, and that's what equals like the duality of the experience we live in, which we label good and bad up, down, left, right needs to exist for there an opportunity to be experienced. Otherwise, if we're all love all the time, it's going to get pretty boring. It might be blissful for our experience to go check it out for a little bit, but we always want to come back into the experience that we're having. And realizing that, you know, a, a part of me that's been trying to process this is, is, you know, it is kind of, it's all meaningless, right? And a part of me says, okay, it's all meaningless. I am a piece of creation. I have the power of creation within me. And so I can go create the reality that I want to, I want to live like that's a part of that equals total freedom. Cause I'm like, okay, like I can let go of like all the limiting beliefs that are putting in, I'm putting on myself to say like why I can like the society puts on me. But then the other side of that is, well, what's the point? Like if it's, if it's meaningless, it's like, what's the point? But that's where life gets playful. Mm. And for me, the one 
So we all have our own unique energetic expression. And for me, I feel my connection to source energy comes in the expression of a very playful kind of thing. So in that experience, it's like, oh, it all means nothing. Ha 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 ha. Big cosmic <laughs> joke, right? <laughs> and, 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 and I feel that we are meant to also have levity around these things. And what if it doesn't mean anything? <laughs> like, what if it doesn't? What a cosmic, hilarious joke that is. If all of this is for naught and it means absolutely nothing. And we all just go into blackness when we pass away. Uh, and even if that is reality, then I can look at my existence and be like, well, that was funny. Yeah. It goes back to non-attachment, right? Then like, it's like when you widen the lens out that wide, you look at the things that like you're stressed about today and you're like, what the fuck? Like this doesn't even matter. And it kind of allows you to release those attachments and come back into being present. Right. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, that's, that's how I've, I found my own power in, in my existence and, and all the stress and everything else that happens in my, in my, my world is now I just have a very playful relationship with it because I realize it's not that important. None of the decisions that come up in my day are really important on the grand scheme of things. Mm. And when you can really look at every aspect of your life in that light, it becomes a very liberating thing because all of a sudden the burdens of the world don't weigh you down. And I know it's easier said than done, but if you can just step back and like, drop into the void and see that this existence is way bigger than we can even comprehend. When you can really take that, that huge view, you're able to not obsess about the, the details of your day. I mean, mm. I think about like, I was very caught up in my mind actually leading into this experience. And I'm like, oh man, I want to make sure that I'm here and present and providing value. And, but at the same time, like there's all these things in my like existence that were just clouding up my brain. And that's funny because now as I talk to you, it's reminding me that stuff's not important. <laughs> yeah. It's not. And how easily we get lost in our mind. Like, and, ha- and that's why there's so many tools and practices, right? And why it's so important to find stillness daily, to, to, to develop a meditation practice, to even focus on taking a conscious breath throughout the day. Like, you know, when's the last time you took a conscious breath? Can you remember? Like when you just actually like, mine was probably, I did a, a, a group with my, my heart collective guys yesterday and we did like a breath, slow breath work to drop in together. But like, since then I haven't actually been like, it's crazy how fast we just like get back on with life. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, for me, I, um, I coin it Chihuahua energy is probably the kind of energy that I embrace. Like you have a more deep, calming, (laughs) present energy. And for me, I have a very like Chihuahua energy, which means that like, I'm kind of like a little bit frantic at times, but um, it, it shows up an expression where my breaths are very short mm. and you're right. It's not until I consciously remind myself to really deeply breathe that I can have awareness around the fact that I'm just like taking half breaths and not actually, you know, my body, the oxygen it needs to like <laughs> process so, like what I'm going through. Correct. You know, and it's just, it's so funny too, because, um, you know, the awareness around things. What I love is that 
I never, I'm not too hard on myself because usually the awareness kind of catches on. So I realize I'm like, okay, I'm not consciously breathing enough. I need to do something about it. Um, I become very aware when my meditation practice isn't where it needs to be because, you know, I've gotten to a space where I'm not a very reactive person. You know, the world could be burning around me and I'm like, okay with it. But then I feel hints when I start feeling hints of reactivity in my life, all of a sudden I just go back to, oh, my meditation practice isn't what it's supposed to be. I need to actually probably spend another more 10 minutes per day dropping into calm. That's mm. yeah, it's that awareness. Yeah. What other practices do you have that help you come back into presence and process? I think writing is a big one. And then, I mean, back to the 5-MeO DMT experience, I like leaving this reality and coming back and understanding like, okay, literally the ego is creating the story. First of all, I have a new appreciation for the ego. Like a lot of people on the spiritual path are like, I want to, the goal is to transcend the ego and like, you know, just be like not have it. And it's like, well, without it, you wouldn't have an experience. And I have, yeah. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so grateful that I have an, an identity. I have a story of who I think I am. And when that's kind of flickering away, it's like, that's the part that goes into like meaninglessness. And it's like, okay. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm so grateful for who I am for Joe being in this reality. And, you know, thinking about the meaningless thing, like that's the thing that's helped me process that and integrate that is understanding that obviously just looking around at the detail of this thing we're living, this experience, it's like, there's obviously a great intelligence behind all of it. And so, although it, it might feel meaningless, there is an intelligent creator, something putting all this together, which, you know, understanding and knowing that that's how I've been like, okay, it's, it's not meaningless. There's, there is a intelligence behind it and trusting that. And that goes back to the idea of surrender, right? Surrendering into the intelligence that is at play. And I think people, get so lost in trying to control their lives. They don't really trust and have an actual faith in something larger than themselves, that there's a greater intelligence that has created this experience that is guiding us through it. For me, faith has always been something very challenging because I wasn't raised religious. My parents didn't indoctrinate indoctrinate me into any religious belief. Um, Although I went to Catholic middle school, despite the fact I'm not Catholic, um, but that's a story. They didn't convert you. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't get me. They didn't get me. Um, so, you know, faith was something that didn't really exist in my life. I, I really um, kind of had a, a, maybe a darker view of, of reality that when we die, that is it. And it wasn't until later in life that I really started to kind of see that, you know, there is much more to this experience and that it's hard to deny that there isn't this some level of sentience, whatever you want to say it it is or how to quantify it. There's something that is deeply intelligent that's putting all these experiences together. It's the same thing that's putting us on this call right now. That's the same reason that somebody who's listening to this podcast right now, there are reasons that all of this is happening when and how it's happening. Mm. And it's it's a matter of stepping into that acceptance that we aren't in control and there is something bigger. And thank God there's something bigger <laughs> because now I, because I accept the fact that I'm a part of that experience. I'm not that experience. I'm just, I get to be 
my little role within this existence. And my, for me, the thing I want the most is I just want to make sure that I serve well in my role and that I help the people that I can and be as present as possible so that I do my little sliver of existence and hopefully fit into this, this, this piece of a puzzle that we're all, that we all exist within. Yeah. Like a grand mosaic. And that's another, you know, back to this idea of surrender, like surrendering into what your role is. And I like to, you know, the more I have kind of contemplated about surrender, it's not a passive act at all. It's not giving up. It's not just, you know, letting go really it's and letting go is a different, you know, aspect of this, but surrender is one of the most courageous acts you can do. Cause a lot of times the thing you're being called to do to fit into this mosaic of life is usually something that's outside your comfort zone. It's calling you to question your stories, your own self-limiting beliefs It's calling you to, to step up in a way that maybe you f- feel frightened of. And to, in order to trust that, and, and, and it's almost like, you know, surrendering into the unknown is like going outside your comfort zone because you feel an intuitive hit or call to go do that, but not knowing what to expect. I mean, that's, that's a courageous act and knowing that you're going to be guided, right. And you are being guided and to trust that guidance. I mean, that, that's not a passive act at all. That's very, very, you know, active and courageous. So for me, in my experience, um, the biggest thing I've had to surrender to in the last few years is being only one person, only one expression of myself, because there was a period of my life where I felt I needed to wear many masks, especially as I started taking on more responsibility. I started leading larger groups of people. I started thinking that I need to be a certain way for the people that I'm leading and I need to be a certain way for the people that I'm aspiring to impress. And I need to be a certain way with my wife and I created masks. Mm. And although at the time they felt like they served, the thing I learned was I needed to surrender those masks. I needed to release them and just be one expression of myself. Mm. Where does it, where does where, why do we create masks? Is it, the fear of being something, being seen for who we are? Is it a, an act of vulnerability? It's where does that come from? Like, why do you feel like you need to show up for certain people in different ways? What's coming up to me is it, it gets to our core. We all seek acceptance. Mm. We just want to be a part of something. And it's scary to be your true self you you run the risk of being ostracized. You run the risk of somebody who doesn't agree with you or thinks that you're weird or awkward. And you run the risk of, you know, being the worst fears is being ostracized from society at large. And in the reality is we know that that's not real. And that was the thing that I personally had to release was understanding that I, my expression may turn some people off. I'm awkward at times. I'm energetic at times. And, but regardless is that that is just my true being. And if, if, if it isn't in alignment with people, then they're not going to be, you know, maybe in my, my sphere of influence. But what happens though, is that as we step into our true expression, as we really embody our own uniqueness, as awkward as it might be, you actually give a voice to people who also are awkward and also want to 
embody their own power. So you create a safe space for other people when you embody your true authenticity. That's beautifully said, brother. And like when you, when you start showing up as your authentic self of who you are, you start removing these masks, the energy of who you are, you become more confident in what that is. And the people that you, you know, you're trying to impress that maybe are kind of you know, off put by your, your vibration and your energy because you're stepping up for who you are, they, they might not be in your life, but then you will start attracting the people that do align with that energy. Because now that you know who you are and you're showing up as you are, the people that vibe with who you are are going to find you. And there's this like magical thing that happens, like your vibe attracts your tribe and the people that resonate with you because we all are energy, right? On the deepest level, we're all energy. So there, there's one caveat though, is that as long as that expression comes from a true space of love, not fear, mm. as long as your expression comes from a true space of love. Well, if it's coming from fear, it would be a mask, right? It would be a good point. Yeah. So, as so basically as, removing all the masks is really on a, on a lower level, deeper layer of the onion is removing the fear of stepping up as who you truly are, which is who you are on a deeper level, deepest level is the love that we were talking about earlier, that the unity, the love that wants to be expressed through you is who you are. Cause we are all that thing. And what's beautiful is that we all get to walk through this existence and experience other people's expression of that energy. Mm. And maybe that's more of why we exist, is that we get to be a unique expression of energy that has its own complexity. You know, I think about my interests and everything else in life, and it's a very niche, I would say I live a very like niche life, like all the things that influence me and all my interests between DJing and all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's a very niche kind of thing, but I've learned that like, that is my genuine expression and everyone that we, we interact with has their own unique expression, but it's up to us to also listen to them, you know, and, and not discredit people. And, and also like, understand that when you go to get a cup of coffee in the morning, that you you look at that person like a human. They're a real person and they are in their own unique version of expression. Mm. So to me, that's something that became very clear after my father's passing was that every interaction I have is important and that I'm getting, I'm being honored to be in the presence of somebody in their expression. And it's easy for us to discredit people by looking at them like, oh, well, they're just making my making me my coffee. Well, you know what? I actually was <laughs> the person making that coffee at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the person serving hamburgers. I was the person doing all these things. Yet, you know, now I feel like I'm in a space where I get to serve a greater group of people. But in the end, is that making sure we understand that everyone that we interact with in our lives have their own unique signature and just looking at them genuinely and seeing them as somebody in their expression and loving them for that. Mm, Yeah. The power of presence, right? Like in this world we live in, like we're so distracted and we're so lost in our minds. And when you, I mean, 
when you go talk to somebody and you're having a conversation, I've gotten to the point now and like I've surrounded myself with so many people that know how to be present with me. And it's kind of like I, I, my, my bar has been raised. And if somebody's not present with me, I won't, I won't even feel the need to share what's going on in my life. It's because like, you're not listening to me and I can feel that. And presence carries an energy, right? So even when you go up to the barista at Starbucks and you're, you're present with them, they feel that it allows them to, it creates almost a trust where they can like show up and express themselves and be present with you. But if you're on your phone, distracted, thank you, walking away, you're not there. It's really just this energetic signature of presence. And I truly believe, you know, doing all this, this deep work, that's, that's what heals people. That's what heals the world because it, all people really want to do is feel heard. They want to feel seen. And that's what presence provides. And at being truly present is actually, all your attention and energy is just focused on this person not thinking about the conversation, thinking about what you want to say next, but just allowing them space to just share openly and vulnerably as it comes through. And I think that's a really, really rare thing in today's society, but it's, I truly believe that presence is the thing and the tool that can really heal the world. And that's why we call you big light. <laughs> you know, I, I've earned the moniker a little light where, you know, you and I, a little backstory for that, <laughs> but you and I, I think, I think have our own very similar energetic expression. And maybe we also serve in a very similar role in what we're supposed to do in our existence on this planet. But just like what you described, I mean, that is for me, how I feel I embody mm. Christ consciousness, whatever it is, is that I am here to make people feel seen and to provide as much light as I can, especially if somebody is, you know, trying to hide in a corner, somebody who's a lot more introverted. I love trying to help that person find their voice. And mm. To me, I think that there's just so much of us that brush over that person and they don't give them that light. So it's it's beautiful to know that there's somebody like you on this planet doing that work because there needs to be a lot more big lights in this world right now because technology has made everything very transactional. And we look at people in a very transactional manner and that's not how we're meant to live this life. You know, it's easy to compartmentalize things and put people into categories. And I get it. That makes life easy to digest, but that's not how we're actually supposed to be interacting with each other. Mm. We're not transactions. I'm not that cup of coffee. Mm. It's beautiful. Even if it is quantum coffee. (laughs) Nice plug. We'll have some (laughs) quantum coffee. We're doing it right now. Um, you know, you're talking about presence and, and, you know, you, you're, you're in the business world. You, uh, run your own company, a a car dealership. You have a bunch of employees. Talk about how you bring that presence and that energy and this kind of, you know, spirituality or, or even just like more higher self-awareness and consciousness into the workplace and, and how I think, you know, bringing these kind of work and presence into being a leader in the business world is really uh, is a huge shift that I think all of us need to take because that's how it kind of trickles out into society. So great question. And it actually goes back to what we were talking about earlier in removing those masks and really being one version of myself. So 
I exist in a very unconscious industry. Automotive retail is, it's ugly. I mean, anyone that's ever had to go buy a car, service a car, you see how many unconscious people exist within that industry. But to me, I look at that as that that's where the most light work needs to be done. That's where there needs to be the highest level of consciousness. Because in the end, the reality is, is that we do have to actually purchase these things until we figure out how to teleport. Um, and we do need to... I'm on that journey. And we, need, and we need to also service them. So there needs to be consciousness in all of these different types of industries. And that's where I kind of enjoy the fact that I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a fish out of water. Is that I understand that like, the people that exist in my role within this industry are fueled by ego. I mean, everything is about, you know, just the dollar and everything is about how they can make themselves bigger than their competition and bigger than the people that work for them. And it's, it's a weird mindset. And I find it's a very toxic mindset because I came from a different space, you know, is that I really embrace the concepts of mindful leadership um, which just means that like you as a leader, you're there to serve. You're the number one servant. Mm. And I think where people get things a little bit wrong, a lot of it wrong with leadership is that they think that once they're the boss, that all these people are there to serve them and they can kick their feet up and that's it. And then they can condescend to them and you know, be authoritative to them and tell people what to do. And honestly, that's not really leadership. And we're seeing now the cracks in the foundation of that kind of leadership because that existed through the 80s and 90s and, and it doesn't work anymore. That philosophy doesn't work. The people who are really making things happen in this world understand that they're there to serve their team. Mm. So for me is... That is my primary role is I'm there to serve my team. My team serves the people that come into our industry, into our business. And as long as I'm there as present as possible, as genuine as possible without any masks, then I will always be able to push things in the direction that I feel they need to go. But that also means that my decisions aren't just my decisions, that I need feedback and that the direction of the business becomes more of where we as a collective feel things need to go. So I'm thankful that despite the fact that our team's almost at 100 people, I still get to genuinely connect with everyone in my team. And I can feel where the collective nucleus is going. And then you can feel where like the outside influence of the world is going. And we as a team all can kind of move in that same direction. Mm. Um, so what's beautiful though, is that we also understand that the team is bigger than the self, that if at any point I'm not the person that should serve at my capacity, I will gladly step down and, and try to find somebody who's more suited to, to serve the team and bring them to where they need to go. So it's, it's been a, I don't know, it's been, it's been a, it's been a journey and especially in the last couple of years, especially maybe through some of the work that we've been doing through Fit for Service and just having good mentors and people in my life like yourself that give me perspective, having a lot of that has helped to really shape my relationship with leadership and my team. You know, so 
I guess that's my long-winded way of saying also thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, thank you. Such deep gratitude to you. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, the business, right? As a leader, treating it as its own energetic signature. And as a leader, you're just playing that role of, you know, visionary, of leader, of trying to get everybody on the same page. But you're not, it's not a hierarchical thing. Everybody serves their role in the business to make this energetic signature the best it can. And it's funny how what I've noticed getting into entrepreneurship is the energy of the leader is really, it infiltrates the energy of the company so profoundly. And a lot of the stuff that maybe the the leader, you know, shows up in his personal life or his own stories or his own self-limiting beliefs, his own stories around money, his own stories around whatever, it all infiltrates into this energy of the business. But I think a lot of people they get attached, especially if they start the business from scratch, they get attached to this thing as like, this is who they are. And that's why when they like, they lose it or, or it goes up and down, they like attach their value to it. But I, I would, you know, starting into business now and I'm like realizing like, oh, this is so beautiful. I birthed like the heart collective is the thing I'm working on now. It's this community. And I birthed this thing and I can feel now it's alive. Like it gave birth into reality and now it's this own energy. And like, what can I do to add energy to it? Can I help it grow? And it's in this like adolescent stage where I need to like add the right kind of pieces, but I'm really like treating it like a baby, right? It's not me. It's this other thing outside of me. And I'm just playing a role in helping it develop. So going back to the lesson of surrender. So I'm going to give a hypothetical with you in the situation. Now your team is evolving and it's becoming this own thing. Could you ever accept you not being a part of the team where the team grows outside of your own self and that like it becomes its own entity? Could you ever surrender to allowing the team to go in its own direction regardless of whether or not you are a part of it. Dude, I got one even better for you. I'm, I'm trying to build this thing from the ground up so that eventually I don't need to be a part of it. I can transition out. And yeah, because, and that's a great question too, because it goes back to like, why am I an entrepreneur? Right. I, 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 I'm this idea, you know, transitioning out of football and this idea of creating something out of nothing really fascinated me. And I got into a different couple different ideas, but none of them were like my passion or my purpose. It was because I wanted to get involved in business and learn. This is very much so mission and purpose based. I saw this need that the one thing that's missing from professional sports transitioning out of professional sports is a community of guys who are going through that together. And the, all the leagues are like providing resources, but it's almost like they're providing them in a way like, Hey, they're kind of covering their own ass. Like, Hey, we, we provide therapy if you need it, secondary education, career placement, but there's no like ongoing community of support. So there's this real need. And I just truly believe that this is going to really help support guys that are going through this very unique challenge of transitioning out of professional sports, but also understanding that all of these men are, are warriors and they all have a special knack for understanding mental toughness, discipline, pushing themselves outside their comfort zone, handling failure. And they've reached the pinnacle. One of the statistically hardest things to do in our culture today, they've reached it the top. And now that it's over, it's such a waste to just think like, Oh, you guys are just done. Like, no, like, let's come together. Let's learn how to make the world a better place by working on ourselves, 
and understanding what our purpose is really like the essence of who we are removing these masks of who we think to need, we need to be, which the identity of football is really in all other sports is really wrapped up in that and trying to understand, let go of that identity, create a new identity. And these, all these guys, all these men have the ability to do that at such an exponential rate. I think that's why, you know, my path in entrepreneurship, spirituality, this, this healing work has been so rapid is because I understand mental toughness. I understand how to push myself outside my comfort zone, all these things I learned from football. And so by creating a container and getting all these guys to support one another on this journey, it's not only going to help them, but it's going to help send ripples of positive change out into our society and culture. And hopefully the vision is to help it be a piece that's going to help shift the world and the, and the narrative and help spread love and light into our culture that really needs it right now. Which so is, yes, that's my long winded answer saying, I hope one day that I'm not the guy that's leading this thing. Well, I think that's an interesting challenge is that knowing that at some point, this thing that you're a part of that you created could become just this bigger entity. And at some point it will create its own sentience that there's mm-hmm. going to be an own, its own way of understanding. And, and, and there's going to be this core beliefs, obviously originally created by you. And, and, and this to me is a very important thing is that you do need to have very clear foundational beliefs of mm-hmm. what you as a collective believe in. And then the nucleus can surround that. And then eventually though, is that at some point, this is going to become bigger than you. And, yeah. and, and it has its own intelligence. And that's the thing that drew me to entrepreneurship. Cause it's, that's such a beautiful thing. You're literally creating life, like an actual thing that's living it's, and breathing. And it's like, it's got its own energy to it like that. And experiencing it's so fascinating. So the biggest misstep though, that people in a leadership position have is that they egoically attach to that thing and that becomes their identity and they can't accept the fact that this thing has grown beyond them. Mm. That's where a lot of guys get stuck, right? A lot of people get stuck in the journey and then they kind of reach that, that ceiling that they can't break through. And that's why a lot of people, when they scale businesses, all of a sudden they're like, they need to come with terms. Like I can't need to hire a real CEO because, you know, getting 50, a hundred, 200 employees, I just, a different role and you need someone that's able to do that that actually knows how to do that enjoys doing that maybe it's not even something you enjoy doing and yeah when your identity is lost and like i'm the leader i need to be the leader to be something in this reality then you're just going to keep your business you're going to hold your whole company back pretty much from reaching the, the levels that it can goes back to surrender <laughs> this idea of surrender keeps coming up keeps coming up talk about, i want you to talk about a little bit of energy because this, this one thing I think, um, for some reason, I think it's hard for people to understand, but it's like an obvious thing that everything is energy, like emotions are energy. Like when you, when you sit in silence and you ask yourself, what does love feel like? And you can like feel your body feel loving. And then you say, okay, what does fear feel like? And you feel your body constricting and you can like viscerally feel the energy of these emotions and the energy of life. And I feel like when I've started thinking in terms of energy rather than in this materialistic viewpoint, like the world's opened up in a really magical way. And I think it's given me power to like understand my own energy and how I can navigate my inner emotional world through tools and practices and self-awareness and how that affects the energy of my outside world. And it goes back to the law of attraction and 
Um, you know, like attracts like attracting your tribe, like we talked about earlier. And I know you talk about energy and you're really connected with it. Where did that journey come from? We're transitioning into understanding the world in more of an energetic way and talk about the importance of that in your life. Help people understand it. I think, you know, it's something that is a more recent experience in my existence that, um, I'm tapping into and, you know, I'm grateful that my wife, we, so I've, I'm, I've been with Laura who, um, we've been partners for, I believe eight or nine years. So she'll kill me that. I don't know exactly how long we've been together. <laughs> um, you know, but, we'll, we'll just bleep that part out. <laughs> we've been together. Years. No, we've been together long enough that she also knows that I don't know how long we've been together. she knows me. Uh, so um, you know, that, that she's created this safe space to explore and understand my own energy. And what's amazing is that in the last few years is all I'm doing is I'm, I'm getting to a spot where I'm just tapping into more of like understanding my own, my own energy, my own expression and my own um, way that I show up in this world. And what's funny is that the more I've dialed into that, I've been, been able to accept other people's energy and kind of understand it and read it. And where things are getting weird currently in my journey is that now I'm realizing that I can also connect to that energy through music. And um, I'm in a very weird space. So it's, it's actually very interesting timing that we're having this conversation because um, for those of you that don't know me, I, um, so I've been a DJ for about 20 years. Um, I bought my first set of Technic turntables about 20 years ago. I think uh, maybe a little more. I was still in high school. So yeah, you don't, you never know when you go buy a car that the guy selling you the car that owns the company is also a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, so I used to do like raves and clubs and that kind of stuff. Mm. And so, so that, that was my background and my musical expressions. So it wasn't very much in the conscious space is all I can say. You know, there's people consuming substances and it was definitely in a more energetic party kind of vibe. Um, but the thing was, is that I've always kept up with that practice, that I've always evolved with technology. And I've just just always, for me, that's a grounding thing for my energy is to like connect to music. But this thing started evolving three months ago, I would say. Actually, it was right around the time of my father's passing. There's a lot of, a lot of things that happen with death that I started to tap into this whole other, tap into this whole other musical type of expression. And it's helping me connect not just to my energy, but to other people's energy. And what's interesting is that like, I, I would look at myself like a kook. Um, if, if me from five years ago heard myself speaking right now, but I can tell you with, with absolute sincerity is that I'm starting to, be in a space where I can tap into a collective energy and then through my audio equipment, create this visceral journey through sound. That is not me. It's not my expression. It is this sound experience that's coming through me. That is that, that's something that the person might need to hear at that time or the collective needs to hear at that time. So energetically, I'm starting to kind of 
expand my tentacles and, and starting to like touch other people's energy. And there's people who are way more intuitive, way more dialed into this space that, that really understand it and have been able to hone that weapon. I won't say a weapon, but hone that skill. <laughs> the weapon of love. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, so it's been interesting. So for me, from an energetic perspective is, you know, it started with me understanding myself and my own unique expression, and then being able to like tap into other people's energies. Um, and now it's starting to come through in a weird musical expression. So that's where I'm at right now. And I won't dial into, there's something I'm about to start called sanctuary, which oh, is tell going, me more about that. Is this the thing you've been creating or is this I, I, the next I, level? I can't because it hasn't gotten the official like stamp of, of okay. approval for, for we'll circle back on that by, by FFS. But the theory is it's called Sanctuary and it is a once a month channeled audio experience with a group of people where everyone puts on their headphones and we all set the intention and we all kind of breathe into the experience and then whatever comes up through music, it happens. So there, it's a, it's a combination of nature sounds and ambient spaces and like similar to like the East forest, uh, kind of channeled like uh, ceremony thing, but it's more just audio experience, plug in, put the headphones on and connect vibrationally with others. Yeah. Um, similar, but very different. Um, because I, I don't know. It, it's polarity, just, it, the, the it's, paradox of reality. I'm still trying to quantify and understand what it is. And, you know, it's, but there's, it's a combination of just these audio spaces and hymns. And there, there's a lot of things that are just coming through. But what, what's I'm stoked to check it out, dude. Yeah. But, but what's interesting is that we all have that capacity within us. The more we embrace the weird, the more we understand our own unique signature the more we can step into these experiences that are different and weird and don't exist. Like I know that this thing that I'm creating doesn't really exist. And the only reason I've ever been emboldened to try this out is because I'm starting to step into my own you know, energetic signature. And it's because I've had allies like you and I've had community and people around me that, that support me and love me no matter what, no matter if this thing is ugly, stupid, you know, I have, you know, the, I've been emboldened by a community and, and by people that now I'm, I'm able to do this thing and, and put this thing in the world regardless of how it's received. And that capacity exists within all of us. All of us have an inner weird. Yeah. We have something that wants to be created through us, right? And that's the idea of surrender, back to surrendering, like fully letting what wants to come through you come through you. And when you really connect with that, that's what we call flow states, Right. And it's almost as if, and I've experienced this with athletics, I've experienced it with writing, and I've even experienced it with having conversations with people, which is really wild, like having like really deep conversations where I feel like I'm not the one talking, like the universe is speaking through me. And it's really strange to talk about that in our like culture and our world that we've grown up in, but it's easy to talk about in like the athletic sense. Like for some reason, Julio Jones can go out there and make just the most ridiculous catches and act like it's so easy because he just gets tapped into this flow state where it's almost not him. He's not making decisions. It's just happening, happening naturally. And that's what we all have access to that. And the importance of community, like finding your tribe of people that will support you no matter what and uncovering these things that want to be expressed through us. Cause our society and our culture tells us, no, 
you need to be this way. This is what success looks like. Why are you not working to make more money or you don't have this car? So then you're worthless. And it's, it's just fascinating that like, why, why do we, why do we need all that stuff? What are we working towards? Where are we trying to get to? Why can't we just express ourselves so freely? And it's hard. It's hard to work through those stories. They're so deep. They're so deep, but finding a community of people that you can be yourself around that will to- totally be presence. Right. And let's come back to presence. The, the reason the community we're a part of is so powerful is because people are present and that creates a space for you to be you so authentically and still be loved that it's like, ah, this is it. Like, of course I'm going to create this thing because it wants to be created through me. There's no, there's no, there's no reason to attach to outcome. It's like coming just back to presence. And then when you're present, the thing that wants to be created through you just flows. And it's when we get lost in our minds and try and create stories around all of it, that we get lost and off center out of alignment. That's a beautiful thing. Like alignment, like being in alignment is like constantly connecting and living in flow. And when you're in alignment, you have the tools and practices to stay in alignment. When you're out of alignment and you feel your energy is like, whoa, that's off. Like you were talking about earlier, like, oh, I'm, I'm being reactive to my outer world. Why is that? Oh, it's because I'm not practicing the tools to keep myself in alignment. And when you're fully in alignment, you can feel when you're out of alignment just really quickly. And you're like, okay, that was a thing that got me out of alignment. Let me move it out of the way. I'm going to come back into flow. And I think that's the journey we're on is how can we continue to chisel away the stories and come back into being fully present and surrendering into what the experience of life wants to be had in this moment. So something came up while you're talking about that in, in me with, so it's having that community, um, but it's also having people around you that are able to call you out on things at times mm-hmm. where they might see something, a blind spot that you don't see. And having friends like that in your life that can give you really challenging feedback that you hear it and you're like, fuck. <laughs> but then you absorb the message and you realize that it came from a good intentional space and that that was the thing that you needed to hear at that time. So it puts that exclamation point on on how important community is and having people that will actually be very critical with you at times, but done from a space of good intentionality. Of love and, tr- and, and since you trust them because they are present, then you trust that what they're saying to you is truth. It's not just like, oh, this person's saying this because they're jealous or this or that and you're creating a story around it. But when you have a community of people who are purely present, they're like, hey, Larry, you know, maybe you need to like lock it up a little bit. Maybe that's not such a good idea. It's like, you're like, okay, you can take those and then you can go process that, which it might be difficult at times, but that is really a part of the tribe as well. Yeah. Like I've, I've had hip checks like that in my life, um, especially recently. And the funny thing was, is that it becomes very easy to decipher if it comes from a space of good intentionality or ego, because there are people that will call you out on things and make you feel lesser than because it bolsters their ego. It makes them feel like a bigger being. And that's cool. Um, but for me, I've learned is that there are, I'm thankful that I have a lot of people in my life now that come from a space of good intentionality. And when they do call me on my shit, it is really genuine. And I have to like, absorb that information and say, okay, this is a message I need to receive, even though I wasn't ready to receive it at this point in time. But community, man, it's so important. And I did not realize getting into this whole fit for service experience, 
the last thing I ever thought I would get out of it was community. And that became the most important thing to me was this thing that we've created as a team. I guess it gets back to also, you know, being a leader and creating a, a thing that starts to grow beyond what you can imagine is that we all become a part of something that has become bigger than the, the, the people that started it, you know, and, and the power of that collective personally to me is that community and having that group of, of elders and, and, and fellow tribesmen and people that are able to call me out of my shit, but also able to love me in all forms of my expression. And we all need that. And I'm hopeful that at some point we can bring a concept like that to scale for the rest of the world. Yeah, that would be a beautiful. And I think, you know, our ability to create community and find our tribe and the vibe that we vibe with is, is easier now than ever because of, of social media. It's easier to connect. I guess it's a little probably more challenging to cut through the weeds, but that's why it's about coming back to self, finding out who you are, connecting with the energy and trusting that that will find you in the most beautiful, synchronistic, magical, ineffable way, because that's how the universe works. And just remembering to sit in the mystery of it all. I think that's what, you know, back to the cosmic joke. It's like, well, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, nowhere to be. Just laugh at yourself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Last question. And I know this is a deep, powerful one because of your experience with your father. But what do you think happens when we die, I know I've experienced the ego death. I went back into oneness source. Nobody can take that away from me. I don't care what you say, <laughs> but what about when the physical body dies? Is there other realms of existence? Other, you know, I don't, I don't know. I still don't know. I have, I had that experience. I was like, okay, we're all one. I get that. But is there levels of oneness? Is there, you know, infinite expressions? Do we come back in a different body? It's strange. So when I was a, a kid, I mean, 13 years old, I would say, I wrote this thing down. And the strange thing is, is that it actually still feels like it's in alignment with me right now. Um, but That's fascinating. <laughs> who would ever know that maybe our purest selves, our younger selves actually had more divine intelligence than we do now. Mm. Um, but the one thing that I wrote was that our brains all operate at a certain frequency. So we as beings all connect with other energy that exists at the, at the same frequency. So suppose, and think about it almost like a radio band, that in any space and time, there's all these other radio signals that exist. Okay, but your brain is tuned to 413 hertz. But it just so happens that my brain is also tuned to 413 hertz. So we're able to express with each other and communicate with each other and be in presence with each other. But in the same space that you exist in, there are all these other dimensions and realities. So what I thought as a child would happen was that when we would die, that frequency would change and maybe I'd go to 420 hertz 
that wasn't a weed joke. It just kind of happened the way. But that, you know, our mind goes to 420 hertz. So now no longer am I actually here physically with you, but now I'm in maybe a similar space, but connecting with other energies that are operating at 420 hertz. So that was something I wrote down when I was 13 years old. Jesus, you wrote that when you were 13? 13. Uh, yeah. And, and trust me, my, I, I don't think that much deeper. That was the peak of my deep. That was, <laughs> was 13. I peaked out at 13. It's wow. all been downhill since then. And you started masturbating and it was all over. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> my palms got hairy. Uh, and that was, that, that was the end of it. I couldn't write anymore. <laughs> you're like just a, a you were you were the chosen child you're like about to transcend all of this all of this reality you're like oh no lost then it i found a playboy and i was like what is this yeah, like, <laughs> like, no, no this reality is way better <laughs> uh, but you know so there, there, there there's elements of that that still resonate with me but i i do think that that we all are allowed to experience our own version of reality. And, and, and the whole point of our existence is understanding like what it is when we die. So my theory is always evolving and changing with time as new information comes up. But I think the one thing is like through experiences like 5-MeO-DMT is that I've I've come to a very similar conclusion that I think other people who've had that experience have come to is that we are all this collective of love and this energetic collection of love and that we all belong to this ecosystem that is way beyond our ability to comprehend. So that when you die, all that happens is that you surrender, you release all your egoic attachments to the things that exist, and you return to this huge energy being of love. Mm. And then at some point, you may actually be able to re-embody and get to exist in another time, in another dimension, in another space, and get to express yourself in a whole other unique way. But it's almost like you think about like it's this expand, contract. So each lifetime is this expand and contract so that at some point I'm going to contract. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the nucleus. And that's what, it, what embodiment for me right now is, is like I've left the nucleus and I have subtle reminders that I'm a part of this thing bigger than myself. And then when I do pass and when my body ceases to exist, I get back and the nucleus comes back and I get to be a part of this thing again until I want to experience maybe something completely different. And then I get to energetically separate again from source and have a whole other experience. Mm. Well, and that's uh, what feels in alignment right now. And if we talk in two months, it may evolve. Mm. It's a beautiful point to make too, right? Like not attaching to what we believe and understanding that it's impermanence is, is the only thing I know for fact, really, that everything is in constant motion and change. And that's the idea of surrendering, the idea of let it go, the idea of not attaching is constantly beginning anew in each moment. Like, oh, what, what is it now? What resonates with me? I love, I love that word you use. It's like the energy of it. You can feel if something resonates or it's in alignment just by checking in with yourself. But if you're not in alignment with yourself, which starts in the physical body. If you don't feel good physically, you're not going to know what it feels good mentally, emotionally, and then spiritually, which is accessing these higher levels of awareness and alignment. 
beautifully said, dude, I, I couldn't have put it better. Like that resonates hard with me. And I've never heard anybody articulate it in that way, especially a 13 year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> so damn, thank you, past Larry. And then future Larry for bringing I'll work it on channeling circle. my 13 year old self for your next podcast. <laughs> uh, yes, dude. I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. That was literally, you know, I've done, I think I've done 20 over 20 of these now. And that was definitely probably my favorite one definitely one of my favorite conversations i've had and i could talk to you for hours and for those those of you listening i'd love to hear your feedback um make sure you leave a review rate the podcast and reach out to me if you'd like to hear more of larry and me just discussing these unanswerable questions of the universe before we go where can people find you if they want to reach out and and, uh and hear more about you and maybe if they want to buy a new car in in their new jersey area I would say best way, just Instagram at NanoGhost, N-A-N-O-G-H-O-S-T. That's the best way to find me. It's an alter ego. Yeah. It's That's a, the DJ. It's it DJ NanoGhost. It, maybe it's a, it might be a shadow, who knows, or a shadow, maybe a mask. Who, but it, it, yeah, it is a part of my identity, I suppose. But now I probably need to create awareness. Is that an egoic attachment to be continued? <laughs> it's all about the journey, right? <laughs> There is nowhere to get to. It leads us right back into here. What about your dealership? Where, where's that? Where if people are really looking for a car? Um, so we're, we're we're in Keyport, New Jersey. It's it's a Ford store. Um, but yeah, I think um, I wonder that anyone that's listening to this podcast would be like, I do not want to transact with somebody <laughs> that has these weird beliefs, uh, man. But yeah, or if you want to go, just check out and feel Larry's energy and presence because it is palpable when you are in the presence of his being. It's really beautiful. Appreciate that, man. I love you. I love you so much, brother. And we'll do this again soon. All right. Huge thank you to Larry, uh, AKA Nano Ghost for coming on the show. That was really one of my favorite conversations that I've had on Quantum Coffee. And I know we're just getting started. If you enjoyed that podcast, please leave a review, rate it, share it with your friends. It goes a long way in supporting me and my mission to spread this message of positivity and love to the world. I really appreciate your feedback. I'd love to hear from you on Instagram as well. Reach out to me at joe.holly. And yeah, like I talked about before the podcast, if you want to check out The Heart Collective, go to theheartcollective.com. You can also follow us on Instagram to follow along on that journey. It's been a wild ride and we're just getting started. And also, if there's anybody you'd like to hear on the podcast or you yourself would like to have an opportunity to get on the podcast, reach out to me, leave a review, leave a comment, and uh, let me know who you'd like to hear these deeper, unanswerable questions on their point of view. Uh, There's a lot of people in this world, a lot of different belief systems, and I am here to discuss them all. Yeah. Until then, thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Peace.